Hey, how you doing, Ignite City Church? Hey, I just want to take us through a, a little bit of today's reading found here in Matthew chapter 6. And uh, it's out of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Um, and a couple of the things that stood out to me were this, uh, were these, this, <laughs> whatever, whatever the correct grammar is for that. Uh, but I noticed in the first section, so verses 1 to 4, uh, verses 5 through 8, it's also mentioned there also in 16 to 18, um, there's three things that Jesus brings up. So the first one is with regards to giving. Um, and so in that day, there were three key things that every pious Jewish person would make sure that they did on a regular basis. Uh, the first one would, would be uh, give, being generous. The next one would be prayer. And then and the last one would be fasting. And so Jesus said he, he teaches on those things, but he mentions one statement in each one of those. And so with regards to giving, it's the, it's the part in there where he says, hey, whenever you give uh, to the poor, he says, don't sound a trumpet, don't make it known to everyone. In fact, you should give in such a way that, you're, how's he word, that your left hand doesn't know what your right hand is doing. I mean, no one should know. Just be generous if you're going to be generous, but not for the applause of people. He says, and then he says in verse 4, so that your giving may be in secret. And then he says this, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, here's the thing. Back here in verse 2, so, so again, why give, right? So he says, whenever you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be, to be applauded by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. I mean, think about it. How I feel like we live in a culture, and I and I was in this, man. I I was into this a lot, um, where I had every I had pretty much the key social media outlets at the time, um, and I was using them to post things about myself. And those that know me, uh, and we've chatted for a while, been part of the church for a while, I've mentioned this a lot. Um, but I really believe that I was I was doing things and making sure that um, I was noticed um, by what I was doing for Jesus. And so I would go and preach somewhere and then I would take a picture from where I was preaching from like the back while the kids were worshiping or the, the people who I was preaching to were worshiping. And then I'd, and I'd put a hashtag on it and I'd put a, a little post on it. And I, but the reason is because I wanted the applause or approval of people. Like I seriously wanted people to notice me and notice what I was doing. And I needed the applause of people to validate what I was doing. And if you, if I take what Jesus says here seriously, then what I did is I settled, <clears throat> I settled for the applause of people rather than the applause of heaven. And this can be tempting for all of us that we give and be generous, that other people will know we're serving the Lord and doing all these things and we're posting about it and look what's happening. And But I, I want to ask you, and, and again, if you have social media, great, you post these things, fantastic. If, if you can check your heart before the Lord and know that you're doing it, not so that you're gaining the approval of people, but you're actually honestly trying to bring glory to Jesus. I know for me, and I'm speaking for me, <clears throat> I gave, uh, not gave, but I would do uh, I would do certain things and I would preach certain places and I would post, especially if I was in places that seemed like I had to go a, a long distance, post things to get the applause of people. And then God confronted me on that. And today... I don't have any social media. I actually got rid of all of it. Uh, in fact, I got just got rid of Facebook, I don't know, maybe four or five months ago. I wasn't even posting to it for a while because I just want to be, a, I want to be, I personally want to be free from that, that I really do want to live my life to the praise and glory of Jesus and to not settle for quick likes where people say they like something. And again, this isn't a judgment on you unless 
The reason that you're posting things is that you can get the approval of people and find affirmation in what you're doing rather than seeking the approval of Jesus based upon his word. And so for me, I had to make sure I, I, I had to deal with it. I had to take care of it. But it's that last phrase in verse four, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And then he starts talking about prayer. And he's like, when, whenever you pray, notice that he doesn't say if you give to the poor, but he says when you give to the poor, when you pray, not if you pray. So these are expectations. And it could be that, well, this is what they would, all of them would be doing. Or, um, and maybe in, in addition to, this is what God is wanting us to do. All of us to be in prayer, all of us to be generous, all of us to be fasting when necessary. It says, whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogues on the street corners to be seen by people. And then watch what he says again. So he gets, again, it's the approval, the accolades of people. He says, truly, I tell you that you have your, I'm sorry, truly, I tell you, they have their reward. So instead of seeing God answer prayer, when people pray in order to be noticed and seen and applauded for how deep their prayer life is, it's like there's no prayer life in private. And I don't think that this is a verse that's saying you can't ever pray in public. It's really the heart behind it. Is my heart behind my praying in order to be noticed about how well I pray, or am I actually talking to Jesus? And I think uh, pastors, if anyone's a pastor listening to this, or anyone who's, uh, who helps in a worship gathering, I think we need to be careful that when we're praying on a Sunday morning, that especially if it's after the service or after the worship, um, I'm sorry, after the message or before the message, that it's not pre-message um, preaching and then post-message preaching. But it actually, like, I want to stop. Usually before I preach, I always stop before I start to talk to God. And then I then I talk to him. But afterwards, I want to make sure that I'm not just preaching part two or putting in something that I forgot to say before. I actually want to be talking to Jesus because there's something about, there's something that God honors when you actually do it from a pure heart. If all I had to do is pray so that people will notice what it is that I said or how, how I say things or how I'm able to pray um, that's, that's impressive because I use all the right words, then really the reward of that prayer is the, the approval of people. But that shouldn't be the heart behind prayer. The heart behind prayer should be, I want to speak to God, and I want to see God intervene and, 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 and do the miraculous that leaves me amazed. I want to relate with him and see him do things that I never would have seen had I not asked. I want to see those things rather than just settling. And then you get down, um, and then he says, don't be like the Gentiles who just, they keep talking over and over as long as they can to try to wear God down because they think, and he's, when they, Gentiles, it's that us who, uh, those of us who are not fully Jewish. So he's pretty much saying the whole rest of the world. <laughs> so pretty much everyone's praying, and they use all these words thinking that if you pray longer with all these words, that then, then you'll get what you want because you think that God will actually listen to you if you speak more. And and that's just not the it's not the case. In fact, when he teaches his disciples to pray, he uses he uses an example of prayer that if you read it through, it's verses nine through thirteen of chapter six, it's less than a minute. And I'm not saying that we recite it over we just recite it every day and that's all it is, like a like a little magic uh like a little magic phrase that we get what we want. I think he's I think there's a lot to it and we can pray and enjoy our time in prayer. But if we think that God won't listen unless we meet a certain a certain amount of words in our prayer, then we're missing his heart for us. But it's at the end of verse 8. He says, don't be like them because your father knows the things you need before you ask him. But above that here in verse 6, he says, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. So there's that phrase again. Just like at the end of verse 4, 
Your Father who sees in secret will reward you. We see it here in verse 6. Your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Then Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, shows them the Lord's Prayer, or at least tells his disciples and those who are listening, this is how you should pray. And then you get to, oh, and I actually wanted to, I wanted to hit this part in verse 10 real quick. When he says, your, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The way that he addresses God was our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Now, this is the Christian Standard Bible, and I, I like reading a different translation than I'm used to because it just kind of goes, okay, so that, that's, it makes my mind engaged. And so I highly recommended the Christians. I highly recommend the, the, the Christian Standard Bible. Verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When I saw that phrase, and I've read this before, friends, and I've, I've studied it before, I've preached it before, but on earth as it is in heaven, I pictured this condominium that has two condos with a, a dividing wall. And I pictured in one condo, if we could see it from the side, no one, like we're just looking at it, and we're, we're able to peer inside. And on one side is the kingdom of heaven. And everything that comes with God, and if I just take if I just take the fruit of the Spirit that mentioned in Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the, the byproduct of our relationship with Christ, we get the Holy Spirit. The byproduct of that relationship is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I, you look in that one condo and you see that. You see that type of life being lived by every single person in there. And then you picture I mean, you just picture glory, like the glory of Jesus and joy and laughter and celebration and and worship. And then you go to the other condominium that's right next door that's separated by this wall and think of opposite. Like, I, I know that while we're on this planet there, like the heavens declare the glory of God, the things that God has made is for our enjoyment. But when you look at how we live, when Jesus says there's no one good, only God is good. No one else is good except God alone. And Romans chapter 3 says, no one's good. No one seeks after God. I mean, think about, think about the difference of what the presence, like the very throne room presence of God is compared to our planet. And our planet just seems to be unraveling little by little. And I'm sure that every, every generation before has, has thought the same thing. But when you just when I read things and I see things and I see where people are going with morality and choices and and we see nations rising up against nations and wars and rumors of wars and it just seems like a lot of Matthew 24 is kicking in and and I'm not gonna say I don't know when the end times are I've already said that but when I start seeing these things I still go okay God you're good but if you picture that that condo where the two condos that are separated by a dividing wall such a stark contrast. And I, and I remember I would, this morning, I was just sitting there going, oh, God, to be able to say on earth as it is in heaven, what's it look like in heaven and what joy awaits us? And then there'll be this new heaven and earth that God creates. But right now in the presence of God, what does it look like? I just wanted to, I wanted to stop there for just a second. Now I go back. We get to chapter 6, verse 16. He's talking about fasting. He says, whenever you fast, whenever you fast don't, be, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites. For they make their faces unattractive so that their fasting is obvious to people. And then he says, truly, I tell you, they have their reward. Their reward for fasting is, that's it. They note other people, again, notice them, give them accolades, are blown away with their, quote unquote, their piety. All the while, they're not really doing anything for the Lord. And so it's really kind of a waste of time. But when we fast, and for those that don't, and I, I, I've said I want to I make fasting 
more of a priority in my life. I've, I've done it. I don't do it often enough, but when I've done it, to give something up for a certain amount of time, it could be food, it could be other things that you just say, this is what I, I feel like this has, this is important to me, I wanna give this up for a time. Now, I feel like in the in the scriptures, it's mostly all the time food, but you give that up and then every time you experience hunger, you pray and you ask the Lord and like whatever you're, whatever you're fasting about, if there's something specific, you, you pray for that thing or that person and so it's this spiritual discipline where you don't want to be controlled by your body, but you want your body to be in line with what it is that God wants to do. So he says, for those that fast and make it known to everyone that they're fasting, he's like, so everyone notices you're fasting and that's your reward. But again, you see, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And I just sit and go, maybe that's what we should be going after. See, there's this, there's this public part of our knowing Christ that the world should see the good works that we do and give praise to our Father in heaven. He says that, I think it's earlier here in chapter 5 of Matthew. But there's this private part. And I wrote in my notes, let me see if I can find it real quick. I, I wrote this. I, this is in my journal. I wrote, how I live in secret reveals who I truly am. How you live in secret. When nobody's watching, that's who you really are. That's, if you're a person of integrity, it will show whether or not you're by yourself or not. If you're a person of integrity, but you're not, in t you don't, it's not a person of integrity when you're alone, but when, only when, when you're with people, then you're actually not a person of integrity. Jesus would call you a hypocrite. We're called to live a life for Christ that is ultimately only for Christ. It's about him, not about what other people are thinking. And so I want to challenge us as a community. Uh, if you have social media, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to say get rid of it. I mean, we use Facebook just to live stream our services and to make some things known of what we're doing. We use YouTube to live stream our services. We have Instagram to kind of post some pictures of cool things that are happening or events or or things that we need to show you that are coming up. See, I don't think it's all bad. I think some. Of, I think I think it can be used for good. But I I guess my challenge is this: Would you check your heart as to why it is that you're you're sharing so much? Uh, if you are. Um, it, whatever you're sharing online, why are you sharing it? Is it is it to actually to bring glory to God, to advance the kingdom? Is it just to share because that's just how you share with people without without anything in you saying I want this? But it, here's the thing: if it's you trying to um, if it's you trying to portray how Christian you are, and if the whole thing that you're wanting is the accolades and the response of people then Jesus is teaching you and teaching us, then you've settled. And what's better to do is to, is to be generous in secret and do it for the glory of God who sees in secret, who sees what we do in secret, that we should be praying to God in secret and God sees and rewards us in secret, that we should fast in secret and that God rewards and, and God rewards us in secret. He sees us in secret. I just want to challenge us. What is what is what are what are our motives? What is what is our motivation every time we post something or share something? Again, I think we can bring things up in groups. I think we can pray over things. I think we can we can pray in front of people. I think we can fast. I can I feel like I can challenge our community. Hey, I'd like I want to fast. I want to invite anybody else to fast and not do it for the applause of people. I think that I can get my motivation to be all about Jesus. I just have to check my heart when I do it. And that's a challenge I want to give you as well. Just check your heart. Why? Friends, we want to do things in secret that are required to be done in secret. Now, sharing the gospel is not to be done in secret. 
But these types of things to be done in secret where we know that God sees it and rewards us. And even if his ultimate reward, not, not if, since his ultimate reward is himself. Think about it. Think about how deep we get to go with God by living in obedience to him and abiding in him. Let that be the greatest reward is in depth, like deep, deep intimacy with the creator. That's the greatest reward out of everything. Let God decide what the reward is. May we just desire more of him and let him do whatever he wants to do after that. But may that be our heart's desire. Uh, let me close to chapter 6, verses 33 and 34. For those that are just struggling with anxiety, maybe you see things that are going on. He says, but he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. What will be provided? What we'll eat, drink, what we're going to wear, where we're going to live, the provisions. He's like, I'll, God will provide these things. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. Because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And I actually highlighted that very last verse. And here's why. Because Jesus understands how life can be. He understands how hard it is. He says, but don't worry about it. Why? We just seek first God and our right standing before my righteousness, our right relationship with him. We just want him. It's all about him. He is the preempt. He has preeminence in our life, according to Colossians chapter one. He is our life. Make that what it is that we're about first and foremost. And it doesn't mean we won't ever have to work. Of course we'll have to work. God blessed, we were, God blessed us with the concept of work before the fall in Genesis chapter 2. But to be anxious and to be constantly worried, he's like, don't worry about it. This isn't a slam for those. Maybe, maybe you're listening and maybe you struggle with anxiety. This isn't to make you feel guilty. This is just a reminder. God's saying, hey, I know how tough this is. But the same way that any loving a loving parent would look at their child and says, no, no, don't worry about it. It's the same way I believe that God calls us, no, don't worry about it. I don't think he's speaking it out of frustration. I think he's speaking it compassionately, just like uh, the psalmist, I think it was David, that wrote in Psalm 103, that as a father shows compassion uh, to his child, so God shows compassion to us, toward, toward us because he knows our frame. He knows that we're dust. When my, when my sons get worried or when they were little and really got worried over little things that I knew were going to be fine, I didn't look at them and get offended by the fact that they were. I remembered, hey, I remember being that little, kind of. <laughs> I, I remember there were things that freaked me out and I got through them just fine. And my parents would say the same thing, don't worry about it. There's nothing to worry about. And they were right. And now when I say it to them, I'm saying, hey, don't worry about it. We got this. We're fine. I actually mean it. And my heart my heart loves, I like, I love my boys and I don't want them to worry about something that doesn't need to be worried about. We got to remember God has a father's heart toward us. He's compassionate and yet he'll call us to the mat. And so what, a, what an incredible reminder. Let's not seek after things that are on the outside. Let's seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all the things that are necessary for life, he'll provide those things. He'll take care of those things. So don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't let our minds, uh, Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then he promises that the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. There's this promise. God will take care of us. We just have to constantly make the decision to not be anxious. So in closing, key points. One, may we do everything that, may we do everything in honor, in honor of Jesus for his approval, uh, for his glory, for his honor, to make him happy. It's all about him and not settle for the applause of people by doing an outward showing or kind of or kind of an outward performance. Rather, be, be satisfied with meeting God in secret and allowing him to bless. 
So let's check our motives, why we're posting things, why we're saying things, why we're meeting together, why are we bringing things up, why are we doing the things that we're doing when we're saying we're doing it for Jesus, are we really doing it for Jesus? And then second, let's not worry about it. Let's not worry about it. God is sovereign. God knows what he's doing. We still have the same mission. We still have this, the greatest commandment is still the greatest commandment to love God with everything we've got. To love people is like the first one. So I would say that's the second one. And then the third is the mission. That's the, the main mission that God has given to us. Go make disciples, baptize them, and teach them to obey everything that Jesus said. And as big as that sounds, it's like, oh my gosh, there's so much to that. He gives the greatest encouragement so we don't worry about it. We don't freak out about it. Jesus says, and I will be with you to the very end of the age. Friends, I pray that this is an encouragement. Pray it's a challenge, whatever's necessary to make us look more and more like Jesus. Love you guys more than you know. We'll talk soon.